Hello, everyone, and welcome back. It's the Full 40 with Chris, Willie, and Trevor, part of the Nova Insider Network and brought to you by Homefield Apparel. Um, I guess it's the remix because I just had to <laughs> skip track, skip track, skip track. Um, but we're back after another Villanova victory, if you want to call it that, but it, it counts in the win column. Um, all the metrics went the wrong direction, but it counts in the win column. But in the left uh, column. Yes. That's right. Um, and we uh, beat Xavier last night. That oh, was a foul score, 66 to 65. Mm-hmm. Whatever the whatever the score was we had after Longino hit that three and one plus two is what we had. And that was like the last – the only points we scored in like six minutes of gameplay. But whatever, we, we won. Um, three and oh in Biggie's play, just like we all thought. Yeah. And really quick, in like literally two minutes time, we're going to bring on uh, the guys from Eye on the Storm Pod, uh, Dave Baroff and, and Frank, um, who do a great job with the Eye on the Storm podcast. Uh, and, uh, and we'll talk a lot about St. John's. But just really quick, want to have an instant reaction to uh, the Xavier game. Uh, and real quick, I just want to hit on Alpha Dog. Uh, we're going to give an Alpha Dog award out for just that game. We've been dying to give this award to him, but Dixon's been gone crazy, etc. But finally, we get to give the Alpha Dog of the Week award to Hakeem Hart, who very much deserves the Alpha Dog award. Um, so that's so that's huge. Um, Shaq fit man play of the game. Could it also go to the Hakeem Hart on his board on the free throw? And, uh, and- probably. You got to give it to anytime you pull out the five point play. Um, <laughs> I think you got to give it to him. Um, I was going to go Longino's three. Longino's three. He kind of kicked the leg out. I don't know. Um, <laughs> that's, that's, that's called high IQ. Yeah. Um, no, it's uh, like we said, we, we've been looking to give this to Hakeem. Yeah. Uh, everybody is in agreement that he's been playing beyond our expectations maybe that's on us for having not as high expectations as we should have but um he is the uh the glue guy blue stick embodiment of uh of what we've been needing down the stretch lately so that's off to hakeem yeah no i mean look my takeaway from last night i have a lot of there's a lot of feedback you could go one way or the other with, with, with last night's game. I, where I just want to end up with is that like we won, right? Like, yep. and, and we won the game. I, I, I don't know if you guys saw, there was a clip of, um, of, uh, was it Randolph Childress? Was that his name? Um, he's the guy on field of 68. Uh, and there was a clip of him and he's like, I think Villanova could win the whole conference because they're without Justin Moore and they keep finding ways to win games um despite things going wrong etc and when you keep finding ways to win games like that's going to bode well now i'm not saying that i think we're going to win the conference um i think the guys that are about to bring on this podcast will have something very strong to say about that but that being said um i i think there's something to be said for just like hey we 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 got really pissed off after k-state we're we're pissed off about other games that we lost with close we won one, so you know what? I'm not going to get pissed off about what happened down the stretch there. There's things to talk about, 
but I'm not going to get pissed off about what happened down the stretch there. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it's on the right side of the column. Like, you know, this, this is the, these are the wins that we should have, we should be, we should have felt this way after Penn. We should have felt this way after Drexel. Like we didn't play well. We probably shouldn't have won, but we did. We ended up, it's on the right side of the column. I think like at the end of the day, Kyle put a W on the board. If it was an L, to set like it's a separate thing and it's weird to say that there's a delineation between like well you played the same but you won and you lost but that's what it is it's a game of inches it's a maker it's a make or miss league and we missed less than they did <laughs> like i wouldn't say we made more because it wasn't like we played that well but we just missed less than they did and at the end of the day you put the w on the board and it's a game that jay wright attended so that's also yeah impressive to to, to overcome that level of adversity i didn't watch live and then like I rewatched this morning just so I like could see everything. I have YouTube TV recording everything, and I was going through it, and like they flashed to Jay Wright, and I was like, "And we won this game." I was like, <laughs> <laughs> "I love that it's becoming a thing." I love that it's becoming a thing. All right, and uh, quickly, um, this is one of those that nobody will ever talk about again. Um, it's one of those like we've been talking about, middle of the pack, uh, Big East teams that we needed to beat, and we did, and. Let's yep. talk about it again. All right. It's a January game. Let's do it. All right. We're going to hit the ad, and then we're going to uh, bring on the guys from the Eye on the Storm pod. Today's episode of the Full 40 is brought to you by Homefield Apparel. Homefield produces some of the best quality vintage collegiate apparel on the market. You won't find better game day gear anywhere else. Homefield has the ultimate collection of old school logos and looks with the best quality around. Shop t-shirts, crewnecks, hoodies, bomber jackets, and more at homefieldapparel.com. Don't forget to use code NOVAINSIDER for 15% off your first purchase. That's code NOVAINSIDER at homefieldapparel.com. All right, is 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 Brian just holding Willie hostage? There we go. <laughs> there we go. All right, we got everybody. All right, so so thanks. So first of all, um, we're back from the ad read, and we got uh, Dave and Frank from Eye on the Storm Pod joining with us. Dave and Frank, welcome to to the show. Good to have thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you for welcoming us into your home. Yeah, glad to be here. This is a slick setup. You guys got to feel like uh, an actual professional podcaster here. So this is this is nice. I'm Our taking doorman, notes. I'm taking notes. Our doorman can't figure it out. So he's like, he's kicking <laughs> yeah. people out, pulling people in, but it's fine. I'll slide him a 50 on the way out. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so guys, thank you. Thank you for, uh, for joining us today. And I'm, I gotta be honest with you. Uh, I think there was a lot of hype coming into this when we started talking about doing a crossover podcast. It was about like maybe a month or so ago back after you guys got some good wins, you got that win over Utah. Um, we had the battle for Atlantis situation. And then it was like a couple questionable moments uh, in late November, early December. But all of a sudden this game's got, got a lot of juice all over again. Um, and I'm really looking forward to, uh, to Saturday, Rick Pitino, um, that I can't, I can't remember the last time we had Rick Pitino 
in the Finneran Pavilion. I, I'm going to guess it's probably not going to happen many times more after this. Um, but, but I mean, you're going to have a Hall of Fame coach on the sidelines. That's not Jay Wright. Um, and it's going to be, and it's going to be a big time biggie showdown that has a lot of implications on how this conference turns out and also NCAA tournament implications as well. Yeah, Jay Wright was actually at Carneseco Arena a few weeks ago calling the game, and you got to see Jay Wright and Rick Petito shake hands, and, and that was cool. He had one Hall of Famer calling another Hall of Famer's game. That was dope. Uh, I actually look back, and you know, Rick Petito hasn't done really well against Villanova historically. When he was with Louisville, he actually went five and six against them. Now, I'm not sure for the rest of the, his career, but uh, I think Rick Petito's got a little bit of catching up to do in uh, uh, against Villanova. But as far as the juice for this game, so much juice. I think you can credit both sides here. Villanova going four and oh now in the conference. I mean, uh, and without Justin Moore, of course. And St. John's is starting to come together because of their defense. They got another win against Butler the other night, did it convincingly by, you know, double digits. They beat Xavier on their home court and went toe to toe with UConn. You got two teams that were kind of being talked about in similar spaces, you know, finishing wise about, you know, in that four to six range. And uh, it's going to be a really fun one. I think all eyes are going to be on the fin and on Saturday. Yeah, and I, I got to say, there's, uh, you know, I heard you guys talking about the Jay Wright curse uh, that's starting this season. Uh, I thought I, I was really thinking you guys were going to break it, and then uh, then you guys started, you know, stumbling down the stretch, but ultimately uh, finally broke the curse. But I think, you know, St. John still has a better record this year with Jay Wright in the building. We're one and zero, and you guys have a couple of losses to Jay in the building. So, you know, this is my personal invitation, Jay. Come on, I'll buy you. I'll buy you, ticket, Jay. I'll pay the five hundred dollars for you to sit down though uh, and show up to the fin on on Saturday. So, you know that that would be great. But yeah, it's it's fun. You know, this is the the first game of the of the Big East, or second game of the Big East slate for us that really has a you know a ton of juice. I mean, you know, every game in the Big East has juice, right? But you know, UConn, Villanova, uh, going to the dunk. These are games that have extra juice. And so, you know, I'm really excited. I'm excited for my first time in the Finneran Pavilion. Thankful I didn't get COVID and it was just a little cold uh, these last couple of days so I could still make it. Um, and yeah, you see this I'm man good. at the Finn, just be careful. <laughs> <laughs> which which uh, man? Are we, do we have the same layout? I don't know. This is like Hollywood Squares here or something. <laughs> I, I want you guys to know how special you guys are. Frank blew off our pod last night but he's here tonight so you know uh, the 24-hour bug really uh was he was watching the clock on that one i mean last night i had 105 fever today i'm, I'm back to normal with the fever. i don't want to hear excuses <laughs> plus i couldn't let chris down chris and i go go way back oh yeah. sure yeah let me down instead. That's <laughs> i would drive from Chatham to Newark and kill him, and it would be the first time <laughs> something like that's ever happened. It's totally weird over a Twitter podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, let's talk a little bit of uh, of of hoops here because I the number one thing maybe to point out about this game is the amount of the sheer amount of transfers that you know the sheer amount of players that weren't on these two these two rosters last year that are now on this. Uh, this roster, I mean, going toe to toe with pretty much anybody else, and Villanova's got the most transfers on the team. But you guys, you guys blow that <laughs> way out of the water. Um, so maybe if you could, for us, can you guys give us? It's going to be maybe hard to condense it. Can you guys give us a little bit of rundown on everything that's happened 
um, and kind of who Ever. the big players, <laughs> who the big players on your team are, other than the whole entire conference should be well aware of how good Joel, Sor- uh, Joel Soriano is. Other than Soriano, give us a little bit of breakdown on some of the new guys and some of the faces that we can expect to see. Sure. Um, Frank, I'll take maybe the first few that you can go, go with uh, some of the other ones. Uh, I guess the first guy you guys got to be ready for is Datis Jenkins. He's our point guard. He came over with Rick Pitino from Iona. He started off the season pretty slow, and he's been you know, really picking it up lately. He is a really good I would say he's a pure point guard. He's the best point guard that we've got. He's big. He's 6'4". He could take you off the dribble. He could hit the three, although he hasn't been hitting the three really well this season. Uh, But he gets to the rim really well, averaging uh, about seven assists a game. Uh, He's he's the first one. The next one's Chris Ledlam. He's going to be the guy I think that's going to be on Eric Dixon to start the game. He's a 6'6", power forward, smaller forward. Uh, He came over from Harvard. He's another big body guy. He is a tremendous rebounder. Has a little bit of issues of finishing around the rim, but he is really important to what St. John's does. And if Joel Soriano wants to be successful, Chris Ledlam has to have a good game too. They really complement each other uh, really well. And uh, the third guy I will uh, let you guys know about is the guy who has been recently back from injury, and he is the one that's making waves. His name is RJ Luis, transferred from UMass. He is... Six seven wing, and this kid is special. He's only played three games with St. John's this season because he has had a litany of injuries regarding a uh, whether it was a wrist injury, then there was an ankle. Uh, but he is back, he's 100%. He doesn't have a minutes restriction anymore. This kid is special. He's long, can play defense, he can finish around the rim, he can get to the rim at will, he could shoot it. Uh, he is the one who I think the Big East is going to start going holy crap uh, for St. John's. Yeah, and just to, to piggyback off R.J. Luis there, you know, hat tip to to Curry Hicks Sage out there in UMass land. Uh, he gave me a heads up on this guy before we even signed him uh, that that he was going to be special. And and I think he's delivered so far in, you know, only a couple games really. Um, but, you know, he looks like that dynamo scorer, that alpha dog that this team was kind of lacking earlier in the season. Um, you know, the other, the other new guys, uh, a couple of guys that I think Nova fans are fairly familiar with. Uh, obviously, Jordan Dingle. He's, you know, you guys play him every year in the Big Five when he was at Penn. Uh, you know, really great scorer, gets to the rim, can shoot the three. Um, you know, I'd say he's probably not really found his his correct role. He still looks a little uncomfortable there at times, I think. Um, but, you know, he's he's a liability to put in 15, 20 points any night uh, of the week. And, you know, he's done show against Nova a couple of times when he he'll find he'll find his footing. Versus us. Yeah. Don't you worry. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have confidence in that. And, uh, you know, that the other one I'll talk about is a freshman, Brady Dunlap. Uh, we all saw the game uh, a couple nights ago, Brady Dunlap's breakout game, uh, 13 points on uh, three of five from deep, I think, five of seven shooting overall. Um, so, you know, he's coming around. Um, another guy that, you know, we might be somewhat familiar with in Novid land, uh, Naheem Aline was on the national champions last year uh, at UConn. Uh, brings some good three and D off the bench. Um, he hasn't started a lot of games, but he's definitely a guy who uh, has finished more than uh, more than a few this year, uh, and and gives us a nice pop off the bench with with his shooting and uh, and his defense. Um, but I think you know with these with these guys, you know, Dave kind of touched on the top of the rotation, and those guys kind of all have their roles set. You know, one of the themes I think we've kind of seen with Rick still is he's 
still really toying with his with his rotations and you know i don't know if it's uh, purely a matchup thing that he's he's going on a little bit of gamesmanship still or if he's really just completely unsure of who his best you know eight or nine guys are so um you know it'll be interesting to see how this keeps developing each game uh, as the year goes on and who might get a bigger chunk of minutes or less minutes uh tonight or tomorrow night or saturday night sorry it's thursday saturday night um when we come to come to the thing yeah, we don't know anything about struggling to figure out who should be in the lineup at what time. Um, I really feel for you guys in that regard. <laughs> Just not a problem we're accustomed to. Oh boy, yeah. Uh, so we've we've had our fair share of, uh, of of issues there with some of the rotations that uh, Kyle Neptune has uh, put together. I like the way you kind of said, like, "Hey, Rick Rick Pitino's trying to figure out what he has and whatever." And you come to Nova Land, and Cal Neptune's trying to do the same thing, but we're over here being like this fucking idiot. <laughs> it's like, and it's like, and it's not true. It's just simply that that he's he's also trying to toy and figure out with what what, what he's got. We have a bunch of newcomers um, as well, uh, all older guys. Four transfers that we'll just call out, um, just to so, so you guys are kind of fully aware. Um, I'll start with I'll start with actually Lance Ware. Uh, just because you're not used to necessarily seeing us have a bigger guy than Dixon. Uh, but between Lance Ware and Nana Njoku, who's a junior, um, they, we've had some guys move Dixon to the four um, in certain instances of the game or just be the guy who subs in for, for Dixon at the five. Um, and each of those – or those guys have combined for about – what would you say, guys, 10, 15 minutes a game? Yeah, um, it's a roughly. Play. And and pretty good minutes. Lance Ware is a transfer from Kentucky. Um, athletic long. Sometimes that doesn't come across as necessarily coordinated, but 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 really good. And uh, and Joku never played his first two years, but has you know shown his motor of late and has made some really impactful plays for us. They've been good innings eaters for us, just oh. like needing to give Dixon a blow ten minutes and then make a splash play or two. Yeah. Um, from an impact standpoint, he doesn't start, but Hakeem Hart um, has been absolutely spectacular and has probably been the biggest key role in our four-game burst here yep. since since Moore has been down. Uh, he's been he's been. I mean, obviously Dixon's been amazing, but 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 Hart has been doing all of the things that Jermaine Samuels, if you'll remember him used to do for the cats um just like all the dirty work making some key buckets um just yesterday uh he he got to the free throw line uh on an n1 missed the free throw got his own rebound, rebound put it again. back in for an n1 again and it's like obviously that's not gonna happen every game but that's the type of play that he's made for us which is like the winning plays that we just didn't have on last year's team he's a he's a he's a big uh uh He's a he's a super senior from yeah super senior uh, yeah. from from Maryland. He's made. Has it, oh, go ahead. Has has it been surprising that he hasn't started because he was like a top fifty transfer in the portal? I know coming over from Maryland that was a big deal. So like, was that always kind of the role that he was going to be going into, or uh, is that is that was that kind of develop? Uh, you know, with Justin Moore being out and things like that. So it's. Kind of the way that I think it's kind of been understood was coming into the season, it was kind of like more or less a open competition between him and Mark for the for the fifth spot. And I think the decision making process was Mark is a more traditional point guard. 
Hakeem is essentially like you could call him a four, but he's really a six, eight big guard that you just kind of like, he's a basketball player, put him on the floor. He's going to make a play. Yeah. And so I think as we were thinking about roster construction and about how we wanted to start games, we decided all right, we're going to put Mark as the starter. Um, I think we've seen Mark, I don't want to say struggle because he hasn't been struggling, but he just hasn't taken the leap we've been hoping that he's that he needs to take. And Hakeem has been solid all around and honestly great all around. So where I think it's really happened is kind of like we keep him coming off the bench because he's kind of a stabilization force. And honestly, like the way we do our rotations, like Kyle's pulling someone in by like this 18 minute mark, 17 minute mark most of the time. So it's really not that big of a deal. And Hakeem has been finishing every game like this since Honestly, probably since the um, the Bahamas, he's been finishing every game. He's our best defender. I'm like, am I like every? I feel like once a game, he makes a play where he just overwhelms a person defensively and forces either a turnover or a shot clock violation. Um, extremely solid and extremely long. So it is like kind of weird that he doesn't start, but it's. I think it's honestly at this stage, we've kind of gotten a good flow. And the other reason he hasn't started since Justin comes has come out is. Longino's also really taken a step forward. And I think it just kind of works best to keep Hakeem coming off the bench and then finishing games. Yeah. And Longino, you might have a little bit of familiarity with because I believe he had one of his better games of his freshman year against you guys, if that's not definitely. Yeah. Yes. Um TJ Bamba and Tyler Burton are the two transfers that start. Bamba is a second team or or Pac-12. Honorable mention, honorable mention, honorable mention from from Washington State, and uh, and Tyler Burton was second team All A ten from Richmond. Uh, the only thing I'll just note about Burton is Burton's a little bit uh, unique from a Villanova standpoint. We haven't figured out exactly how to use him, but he's been good. Um, but go ahead. No, what I'm curious about actually is you all were mentioning that Ledlam might be on uh, Dixon which would put Soriano on Burton, which would be interesting. I just, I think it'd be an interesting matchup, like where I sit back and I'm like, all right, I like defensive. I, I don't know. And this is where my question was going to come. It's like, how has Soriano been on the perimeter defensively? Not, not good. Not good. It feels he, like you might ha- have to him on Burton. <laughs> Hofstra exposed Soriano on the perimeter. So did Boston college. And, I, I legitimately think the most interesting question leading into this game is what in the world kind of defense is St. John's going to play against you guys because you guys play five out. So I that's on the podcast yesterday. We literally said they're going to probably play a two, three zone or a box and one and have somebody just follow Eric Dixon around. And I have no clue what's actually going to happen because Joel Soriano, if he gets put out on that three-point line, is going to get beat. Um, it's it's legitimately my like biggest question, and and think I'll be watching to start the game. What so so Dixon's what six eight and Burton six seven six eight too? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah, it's it's a tough matchup for us with two of those guys on the perimeter. I mean. You you might see some some RJ Luis even on uh, on Burton with his speed yeah. and his length he can he can guard him on the perimeter I would think um, and you know that's where the zone comes in and, and the matchup zone that Rick likes to play you know you can work a little bit more around that so uh, I would expect to see some of that as well to try to neutralize those two bigs that can both shoot from outside. You also you also might see Glenn Taylor and. Uh, it's a storyline in St. John's world, but Glenn Taylor started every single game up until Butler the other day and played eight seconds in the Butler game. 
uh, basically because uh, Brady Dunlap had really good practice uh, apparently, and he earned some minutes. But Glenn Taylor is another guy who's really long and is a really good defender. It's you know our three best defenders right now. I think would we could say are. Davis Jenkins, Naheem Aline, and I guess there's a toss-up with RJ Luis and, and Glenn Taylor. And you got these are guys that are long and that can guard on the outside. Uh, but I think you have the, the game plan has been for other teams, if you want to be successful, is get draw Joel out and and work your way uh into the pain. That that multiple teams have done that. And I wouldn't be surprised if Villanova will try and do that, uh given your history of how well you guys game plan, uh, especially against St. John's. And uh, I would certainly think you guys are gonna try that. I, I would assume we would, um just because that's been our play against any quote unquote traditional big. Now Soriano's Soriano has taken another big another leap this year and has been and has been terrific for you guys. And I actually would I, I think it's gonna be an interesting matchup because for all the talk about about Ryan Cockbrenner, Donovan Klingon, Oso Igadaro, right? Like go down the list across the entire conference of all these big men that everyone talk about. Probably the two best big men are squaring off in the fin on Saturday, um, at least so yeah. far this season, and yeah. especially with clinging out, because Dixon has been all world, and so has and so is Soriano, yeah. Um, yeah. which is to me it's like the matchup to watch, and they they play different styles, but 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 Soriano, especially after but before last year, the way he worked on his body going into last year's season, has allowed him some additional mobility in a lot of respects. Yeah. Um, then, and, you know, maybe the game a couple of years back, but and he hits the three now, like yeah. he's, he started to hit the three and that that's also been the next, his other weapon. And, you know, Frank and I haven't been shy to say, it. we think Joel Soriano is going to be playing at the next level. He, what the way that he's developed this year and what he has added between his mid range jumper and the three, uh, it looks like there's going to be a spot for him, uh, in the NBA. Now, I don't know if he's going to get drafted, but, uh, that shot is definitely there, and uh, I mean, I think Frank can attest to this. We've been <coughs> we've been ringing the bell for Joel all season, all off season, and we think that he's been disrespected a little bit. You know, people saw the numbers, all the double doubles. He was only behind Zach Eady last year, but I think you're 100 percent right that Dixon and Soriano is the matchup that everybody should be have circled. You know, going into this matchup, uh, especially in the Big East, you, know, you got two big man Titans who are completely different in the way that they score, the way that they move. Um, that, that's, that's the matchup of the game for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, the highlight of my Twitter career, I got a, uh, a UConn fan to admit that Joel Soriano is the best big in the uh, big East to the other day. So <laughs> kudos to me for that one. But, you know, I think the other interesting thing about this matchup, right. Is my dog's bark their heads off in the background. So I apologize for that, but you know, I think the other interesting thing about the Dixon Joel matchup is you got two Wiley veterans, right? Two fifth year seniors, two guys that were never really, you know, all that highly touted. I, don't, I mean, at least Joel wasn't. I'm not positive about Dixon's uh, pedigree there, but you know, two guys who've really grinded their way through a, a five year career and gotten better every year. I know Dixon was a red shirt, I guess, his first year. Um, so, you know, and and Dixon, you know, pretty much carried the team last year and did the best he could with you, for you guys without you guys having a point guard at all last year. Um, you know. Joel had to tough it out with with Mike Anderson as the head coach. So, um, you know, two guys who face some adversity over the course of their career. Someone you love, you 
I mean, love my man. <laughs> my favorite. Hey, he's gone. He's, he's not coaching St. John's anymore. I'd happily have him over. We'd have a beer. I'd cook him a pasta dinner. It'd be great. Um, <laughs> no, you, no, you wouldn't. <laughs> I would. I mean, that's, you know, by God, you would by God. threaten I'm him and tell him to drop his lawsuits. I, I, yeah. I, Frank, I think you're still blocked, so he again. wouldn't even be able to get that message. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I think, you know, it's, it's definitely a great matchup. But, you know, again, there's the two sides of the coin, as Dave mentioned. You know, it's going to be tough guarding Dixon and Burton on the perimeter, uh, but it's also going to be really tough to keep Ledlam and Joel off the glass. And you guys have done a really good job this year of uh, preventing teams from getting offensive rebounds. And, you know, that's been our strength. We're third in the country. Until well, last uh, night. Yeah, until <laughs> last night. But, uh, you know, I look at the metrics and I think, you know, that that could be something to watch too with this matchup is our Ledlam and, and Joel cleaning up that offensive glass and getting second chance points because um, that could be a big difference maker for us. I also think that tomorrow is a is a game of like if if the headlines are new guys and and um and Dixon and Soriano, I think maybe the underlying or the underpinning of this whole game is the tempo war, uh, because you guys are top hundred in 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 adjusted tempo, and we're I don't know. Well, well below 300 in adjusted tempo. And so it's, we want to play slow. We want to grind you out. That's been how we've played basketball for every year, except 2018 in the last several, in the last many years. Uh, obviously, you know, Anderson had very up tempo. So you guys might be watching the 91st, you know, tempo, you know, pace team and being like, this is slow in comparison, but 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 Patino has always played a, a you know a more you know quicker style. Wants his guys moving around with the ball on offense, and then and then obviously the the the, the pressing and the trapping um, from a defensive side. So I, the tempo war here is going to be a dictate is kind of partially dictate how things play out. In my view, if this game's played into the seventies eighties, this could be a long night for Nova if it's you know. 50s, 60s, low 70s, you know, this could be, you know, this might play a little bit more into into uh, Villanova's favor. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's it's always – the problem I had with the NA era, one of many, but the, one of the problems I had was that, you know, when you play that fast and you only have one speed – it, it becomes very hard to impose that on other teams, right? It's, it's very easy to take the air out of the ball, take the whole 30 seconds off the shot clock and slow things down. It's, it's harder. It's hard on defense to speed up a, a possession in a way that, that actually results in a missed basket or a turnover, right? Yeah. Um, you know, turnovers are, are pretty you know rare, all things considered, uh, even if you're gunning for it and playing that high pressure style that Mike Anderson played. So, uh, you know, for my money, I think Rick has a team that can play both ways. And I think, um, you know, that's why we're kind of more middle of the pack, right around 100 with uh, with tempo versus MA, I think, was top 10 or top five every year. Uh, and there was no breaks. And that, that cost us some games uh, late in games because we couldn't put the breaks on. And if we did put the breaks on, the offense got out of rhythm and couldn't score. So, uh, you know, it's refreshing to sort of see that uh, that change. And I think, you know, if it does get into that snail's pace, uh, you know, we have the the, the horses in the system this year to play at that pace a little bit better uh, than we have in, in years past. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that a lot's going to be dictated based on St. John's defense. Like that's why I think it's going to be so interesting to see what happens like, against Butler's St. John's 
was able to make them so uncomfortable because they were able to set up the press and the trap. You know, if they're trying to do that on the fly, if they're trying to do it off of misses, it's not going to really work that well. And I think you'll be able to exploit them. But if St. John's is able to make a few shots, especially early on. And one of the things that they did to Butler is that they caused so much havoc on them trying to inbound the ball. It, looked like you know and there were times where they were throwing the ball to a place where there was no butler player and you know st john's because they just they had to get the ball in they they didn't know how to beat the the press and the trap and st john's defense has really turned the corner in the last five games that's going to dictate i think the pace as well and uh that's why like everything for me starts with how in the world are they going to be prepared for Villanova, I think one of the big things, and you know, Coach Walsh has talked about this on our podcast that they are they are trying to implement scouting and teaching these kids how to read a scout and learn a scout so much, and and that's something that Patino values a lot. And to get ready for the your guys is really great starting lineup uh, with or without Justin Moore is going to be really important. And I think you guys are going to present an offense that we haven't really seen all season. So it's just going to be another, you know, David versus Goliath, you know, Rick Patino's defensive system versus a potentially uh, a, an offense that has so many different options. And I just think that it's going to be a really uh, fun back and forth. Well, it's really odd to hear David and Goliath, Terms when Rick Patino is patrolling the sidelines for you guys, just so, just so you guys clear, like not for okay. David and Goliath in this situation. St. John's is David, and like Villanova is Goliath, like in that sense, you know. And we've got a long ways to go, you know. I, Rick Patino just got here. Yeah, you guys, you guys are like, you guys have beaten our brains in. I think in the last forty-two times, we only have ten wins against you guys. So it, I don't, I don't even want to like. <laughs> And I mean, you know, people want to tell me all the time when I try to defend uh, defend Rick Patino and his his coaching record, which is uh, you know appalling thing that I have to do on Twitter sometimes because trolls are trolls are everywhere. But you know, they want me to say, you know, they're they're saying, well, he didn't do that at St. John's. You can't count that. Now you guys are telling me he did that. So you know, you guys are now David, which or Goliath, which is which is uh, funny to me. But you know, I, I think it's you know it's Goliath versus you know some kind of intermediate uh, <laughs> being that's not quite as small as, uh, as it's, David. it's David, but David has like a gun instead of <laughs> or David. David did a couple cycles of roids. He's bulked yeah. up a little bit now, but yeah. he's not quite at Goliath's size yet. He's been working on his body <laughs> in the gym. In the gym. Yeah. So, so it I, seems like both of our squads have guys that came from kind of like lower levels and have done well in the big East, which is cool. I noticed two of your guys, one came from Harvard, the other came from Penn. But like I think we've acknowledged today texting New York City, greatest city in the world. Do you think those guys have had to adjust academically to like the like the greatest city? Like, do you think it's been a struggle for them to come into the program not only up their game physically, but also have to go to a real college? Like has Rick Patino, Patino been able to handle that? You know, Rick Rick Patino has said that uh the two of the uh, one of the biggest reasons that both Jordan Diggle and uh, Chris Ledlam decided to go to St. John's was because he they wanted to test themselves academically and go to a real uh, university. Um, and we, are, then, we are the Harvard of Jamaica State's Queens. Th- that is fact. <laughs> yeah. and, and then the other day, 
the other day, I think it was after the Xavier game, our student section started chanting, uh, we want UConn. And Rick Pitino in the in the TV postgame literally goes, listen, we are not the greatest. We're, we're a good university, but man, we don't have some of the brightest kids in the world if they're <laughs> chanting, let's go UConn. So that, that's our, our academics are uh, uh, where we're getting there. Right? We're, not, we're not terrible. you know. I graduated from there. I'm doing okay. My parents both graduated from St. John, so and I, I graduated from law school. I'm doing all right. So, yeah. um, circling back to a much less serious question than Brian's, but um, so <laughs> in games, I truthfully, I've only I only watched the UConn uh, St. John's game uh, over Christmas break. That's the only time I've watched your team this year. Um, what has been the plan when Soriano gets in like some early foul trouble or something like that? Like, where do you guys tend to go? Because I think obviously our plan would be to try to get Eric on him, get a mismatch, you know, get some quick, uh, you know, lazy fouls on him and then try to take him out of the game that way to start. That's kind of what he tends to do. Um, So just curious, what has been the roadmap to navigating that? And so I think that's, the um you know kind of kind of the rub for us and the, and the weakness in the way rick constructed this roster is that we didn't have a a real um backup center we've got zuby edge four you know he's a, a sophomore was highly touted recruit at kansas uh didn't play much there last year um another guy we didn't talk about in the intro but a guy also kind of struggling to to find his footing a little bit although he's been getting better every game definitely been improving um and he's the backup five that's his role um but you know it's also interesting that we're talking about this with nova fans because you know lance ware was one of the guys we we looked at in the portal um and obviously he's comfortable and, and content to play that that sort of backup 10 minutes a role uh 10 minutes a game role so um you know the fact that we we didn't land the him or somebody else like him um you know, is a little bit of a hole on our roster. Thankfully, Joel hasn't really been in too much foul trouble. I think I can only really think of maybe one game where he was in, you know, serious foul trouble that, that cut down on his minutes from his usual 30-ish. Um, so um, thankfully it hasn't been a problem, but, you know, obviously, you know, Nova's always been well-coached and well-disciplined and, and knows how to draw those fouls. So, um, you know, and I still believe they are Villanova's refs and not G- GQJ's refs, so um, you'll always have that on your side. I don't know if you've been watching the last couple games; they've been <laughs> doing everything they can. Talk to the the crew at Creighton. Talk to the guys last night. That was. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Did you guys, come on? You didn't see the end of the Creighton game. <laughs> what? Which which cold bar did you that bothered you guys there? The game. One of the oh, four. Pick one. Where, where there was a not a shot clock violation called on on a replay. Of, uh, of Baylor Shireman having the ball in his hand, <laughs> and yeah. they went I, I, and replayed it, and then and going then, out of bounds on the wrong person, and then yeah. last night TJ Bomba not touching the ball as he slid out of bounds next to it. You know, pick there. There've been a couple in dire situations the last couple games that you know confirm the refs are not on our NIL role, uh, payroll. Something I want to go back to actually is just kind of like thinking about what St. John's has been doing. You mentioned Zuby Edgio for, it's actually funny. Like half of this roster on St. John's, like we're, I'm, I'm very happy with the Villanova team that we got. Like, but like half of the roster were also Villanova targets. Like Brady Dunlap was a person that we were yeah. close to closing on. Ledlum, we were close to closing on. Edgio four came and visited us, went to see you guys uh, committed St. to John's you all. Heavy after TJ Bomba too. 
yeah. so it's like a it's an interesting just kind of like thing that like they're all these players like i don't know that we officially went after jordan Ding- dingle but like we were unofficially definitely like talking to him um so it's just like super interesting to see that there's like a bunch of those shared that uh there's a bunch of shared players on this team on these, yeah. on, on these teams. and i think it speaks to the big east right you had a lot of these transfers that enter the portal kind of saying i, I want to play big east ball and you know they were talking to a lot of big east teams yeah. so yeah uh, definitely good to see for the for the league Trevor, to your point in regards to fouls, not specifically with Soriano, but one of the things that St. John's has done really poorly this year is play without fouling. Like they can't stop fouling. They've done a better job, uh, I think, against Butler, but pretty much up until then, that that's that stretch where they weren't doing well and the first few uh, Big East games, they fouled a ton and sent the guys to the free throw line a ton. Um so that's something that they've been working on, I know, but it, that's been a bugaboo for sure. So, you know, w- regarding Soriano, he hasn't been in too much foul trouble. You know, he was in a little bit of foul trouble, I guess, against UConn, and there was a few other games. Um, I would, I, you know, Zuby will come back in, and then they could go small, and they could put, I guess you put, um, you know, they might even see Dresa play the five. I mean, I, he's a guy that, you know, sparingly has been used, but he's six, eight and he's a hustle dude. Uh, I doubt it. You're, you're ultimately would probably go small with, uh, with the four guards, but um, it, it would, it's more an issue of them playing defense without fouling overall than Joel getting into foul trouble. We've done our best getting to the line. At least this year, it hasn't been fouling out the big man. As much as it's been, because what's happening is that Dixon will go to the the perimeter and drag out the five to the perimeter. And then there will be space to drive into the lane and we'll get fouls called on like the guards and the wings. So when we've gotten to the line effectively, which and then we've converted really well, um, we've always been one of the better free throw shooting teams in the country and, and are again this year. It's been it's been putting it's been some of the other guys on in foul trouble. Not necessarily the big. I'm not necessarily. I, look, I would love it, <laughs> but 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 I'm not sure we're going to get Soriano into a ton of foul trouble. It's not necessarily Dixon's game either to draw a bunch of fouls. There, most of the fouls are, are are free throws are on drives on putbacks stuff like that. You know, that actually leads to a, a different kind of point. Frank, I'm curious what you would think about this because it, let's just say they don't foul Soriano and they do what they're talking about and they foul Danis Jenkins. And if Jenkins gets into a lot of foul trouble like he has for a few games and you pick up four fouls on Danis Jenkins by like, let's say the 12-minute mark of the second half, you present St. John's with another big problem because we don't really have a really good secondary ball handler right now. Simeon Wilcher is a top 30 uh, freshman in the country, but he's still finding his footing and he really hasn't been a guy who's earned the trust of Rick Patino yet to run that point. Jordan Dingle has been on the ball a little bit, but isn't really a point guard type. And there ha- there really isn't a really good number two point guard on the team right now. And, you know, RJ Luis has shown that he could be on the ball, but so that's really interesting that if that could be a scenario where St. John somehow finds Danis Jenkins in foul trouble, that would be a, a big problem as well. I think coming into the year, you know, I thought if Joel gets in foul trouble, that would be the biggest issue for us foul trouble wise. But um, I definitely think, you know, that hasn't been an issue. He's done a pretty good job defending without fouling. And, you know, like I said, we've got Zuby there. Who's a, a pretty good stopgap. But Jenkins, there, there really is no, no substitute for. Um, 
but I am almost interested to see what would happen because I do think the backup plan right now would probably be Dingle because I don't think Rick really trusts Simeon Wiltshire just yet. And, you know, Dingle's not a point guard by any stretch, but he's a guy who loves to have the ball in his hands and he always had the ball in his hands at Penn. Um, so, you know, it might hey, be. Hey, Frank, can we experiment with that? Can we experiment with that against DePaul yeah. or something like that? <laughs> not, like, not, not against Villanova. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I'm not saying I want to see it on Saturday. I'm saying I would like to see it at some point just because, you know, I think getting that, those kind of minutes where he can be that ball dominant guy he wants to be could maybe, you know, spring him out of his, uh, you know, his little funk. I wouldn't say slump, but, you know, his still finding his way and maybe that could, you know, help him find it. He was, he, he, he scored zero points in the first half against us last year and had 25 by the end of the game. Yeah. So, so I'm, we're, we're all confident that Dingle's going to break out yeah. of a stump in the fin. <laughs> something, something that you mentioned about like 20 minutes ago is about uh, what you did versus Butler pressuring versus the inbounds and running from getting it in. Uh, if you've, wa- you've watched Villanova in the last, you know, 15, 20 years, uh, we don't do well inbounding the ball. So what I would say is just do that. Every single time, <laughs> pressure the inbounds. Every single time, you will hold us to forty points. That and a two three two three zone. I, I could beat Villanova. Pressure the inbounds, two three zone. We're scoring thirty eight points. Yeah, and we've done a really great job on on defending inbound passes. We we murdered Butler off their inbound passes. I, I think they probably had five turnovers alone off of uh, off of inbound passes and a couple oh, good. more just deflected out of bounds and forced them to you know inbound from a corner or whatever the case may be. So uh, you know that could be an, another big big thing for us if we can force a couple turnovers off those inbounds. Something that I just thinking about like this and the situation that like you all start strong because what we've seen under Anderson and we saw it under Mullen just like. I'm going to call it a lack of discipline, let's say, of just, but not even just like dis- discipline, but more of like the <laughs> mental like, yes, toughness. Yeah. <laughs> the mental toughness to finish out games. Have you seen that shift right now with Patino? I'd expect that. But like, has that shifted? Because For there sure. were games where it's like we knew St. John's would be up, but it's like, can they really finish this out? And then they wouldn't. And so now no. here we are. Hundred percent. Like, there's been multiple games this year. The Hofstra game where, you know, it, it was a, St. John's did not play well. Uh, they let a team kind of come back into it. They never, they never lost the lead, but it was close. And that's a game where I think St. John's whittles away uh, before. There's been times uh, in in Charleston when we were playing the Charleston Classic. Uh, there were, you know, against North Texas, we we, we won a gritty defensive bow one point game. Years past, you lose that game for sure in a neutral environment. Uh, we played against Utah and got a win. Uh, in a game that went back and forth where you lost the lead and had an eight-point lead. and I, I think that that has been a big calling card of this team and the roster construction of having so many older, you know, 22, 23-year-old kids. That's been, that's been a revelation for sure. Yeah, and this is something I talked about earlier last year. You know, when when we played that fast tempo, that that affected our ability to close out games, and and we don't have this, that issue this year uh, because we don't have to play fast. We we can play fast. We could play. You know, I, I think we could play with any tempo in the country, but you know, we're playing at a moderate ish tempo, uh, a little on the faster side, but I'd say much more moderate relative to what St. John's has seen. Even the Mullen teams were pretty fast. 
Um, so, you know, I think the Butler game was a pretty good example of that. They, they kept coming a little bit. They made, uh, especially in the first half, they just kept coming back, coming back. We couldn't seem to get over like that four or five, six point hump in the first half. Um, and then even at the start of the second half, we came out, um, a little flat and then, you know, started to pull away and they never really got close again. We kind of held them at arm's length, kept them at 10 points ish and eight to 12 points. Uh, and then ultimately just pulled away at the end. So, you know, I, I think this team is, it's night and day better, uh, as far as closing games and, you know, sure. doing the little things down the stretch that you need to do to close games. I mean, and you're like, actually seeing that you're actually seeing them get better. I think that's, that's the biggest thing that St. John's fans, I, I think are having this seeing the light moment is that you're seeing a team get better incrementally game, game in game out. That's not something I think that we've seen before uh, like this. And yeah, it has to do with having so many new faces, but you're seeing them, the defense getting better each game. You're seeing a cohesive game plan on offense. You're seeing the rotation kind of shorten up and everybody finding their role. It's been it's been nice to be coached by Rick Patino. I mean, is it is it weird to to look down and look at your non-conference strength of schedule and it not be in the absolute fucking shitter? <laughs> yeah, that's another one, and it's going to get even wilder next year. So it's going to be yeah. exciting. What's Holy shit! Like guys actually played real teams in the non-conference yeah, year. We did, we did. And I, you know, next year there's been a lot of uh, a lot of rumblings. Nothing really official yet, but uh, you know, there's been talk of playing Duke at Arthur Ashe. Um, I think there's been talks with Alabama as well. So, uh, you know, some marquee games potentially on the horizon next season. For they're playing, time. they're playing in the Bahamar Hoops Classic against Tennessee, Virginia, and Baylor. It's it's going to be fun next year. Yeah, it's going to get real real quick. Yeah. So I, I guess maybe versus your expectations. So like Patino comes in, right? He brings in all these transfers. Obviously it was, you know, there was some X ex- he put on himself. And then if I could just say, if, if, if Patino put 80, 90% of the pressure on the program to succeed, Frank himself took care of the remaining 10 to 20% uh, <laughs> on Twitter. Um, but if, but if if Patino put that pressure on himself to say, hey, I'm like, you know, if I don't win a national championship at St. John's, I'm going to end my career by jumping in the river, right? Like, like what was it? Did he pick the Hudson or did he pick the East River? He said the East, <laughs> East River, River right? East River. Yeah, okay. Um, but he, pre- he put pressure on the program, right? Like, and, you know, you guys in years past were dealing with the back and forth of, like, is it okay that we just make the NIT this year? And it's like <laughs> – well. Patino's kind of said, like, we got to go out and, and win. We, the expectation yeah. here is I got to yeah. win, and yeah. I got to win quickly. And it's been it's been cool from the outside looking in, just seeing someone work with some haste and some, like, he, the least patient person in the whole program, fan or otherwise, seems to be Rick Patino. Yeah. And, and, and so – brought in 14 transfers. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, I think – for me too, Rick is Rick's a showman, right? He knows he knows the state of our program. He knows there hasn't been buzz, there hasn't been a lot of fans and all, and all of that lately, uh, for you know two decades for the most part. Uh, so he knows what he knows. His job is more than just doing the on the court stuff, right? And so I think that was behind some of those bold proclamations uh, at the intro press conference. I think that was behind uh, you know some of this Bob Hurley stuff uh, to a certain extent. I think there's also maybe a little bit of bad blood there, but I do think uh, his showmanship and uh, an ability to, and attempts to generate buzz play a role in it. So you know he's doing what he's got to do to to 
boost the profile of the program overall, not just by uh, not just by winning games. And you know, if he doesn't win a national championship here, I might I might follow him into the East River. If he doesn't make at least if he doesn't make at least an eight, Elite Eight or a Sweet Sixteen, I will definitely follow him into the East River. So, uh, you know, it's he he set the bar high, and you know he he delivers every day. I, you know, he's text guys at all hours of the night with scouting reports and new details that he found on film and uh you know all these other things and then you you know ordering some pizza and then you hear quotes from Paj alexander when he comes back in town about how you know they they never had film and he never learned <laughs> help defense and all this other stuff and it's just like what what kind of program were we running for the last four years and and really the four years before that too um uh and thank god we we lucked out and and one of the greatest coaches of all time is a you know a native New Yorker who you know didn't want to leave the region and and is in our backyard and, and decided to stay home and, and help revive the program. Yeah, maybe a small assist to Wingfoot Country Club. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, if I was a member at Wingfoot, I would not be moving out of New York. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, you know, you talk about it's congressional, maybe, but that's not on the level of Wingfoot. <laughs> you put you talk about putting a pressure on the program. It's 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 been sorely needed. Uh, it, it's been sorely, sorely needed for somebody to light the fire underneath the school and the and to get behind the basketball program. Um, the fan base has been patient. The fan base has been waiting uh, and has been supporting. You know, it's not like they pulled a Georgetown last year where they just there was literally nobody in the arena where they had to beg people to get tickets. St. John's fans have been waiting for hopefully this tenure. You know, he's here for six years. He, as Frank mentioned, he said at his press conference, he's like, there was a lot of guys who just didn't fit my culture. You're out. You know, this, this team, this school has been on hard times for so long. We're bringing it back up and it's happening now. Like he is not wasting time. He's, you know, he's got a six year contract. He's 71 years old. He is not here to waste time. He is not here to uh, develop players for four or five years. Like he is bringing in old 23 year old kids to win right freaking now. And yeah, it's taken some time at the start of this season, but you're seeing patience kind of pay off and things come together and you just kind of hope that it continues. And so far, so good two and one in the big East for the first time since 2018, 2019, you hope it get another one on Saturday. What's your expectation? What Maybe what's your expectation map for his tenure at, at St. John? So like, is this year already tourney or bust or is there a world in which, he doesn't make the tourney and it's kind of still viewed as a step forward. No, I mean, with the whole, like not wasting any time thing. And with the amount of transfers that kind of came in and the level of transfers, uh, I think that getting to the tournament and not having to sweat out selection Sunday is a very low bar for Rick Pitino. Um, and I think that that's a very high bar for St. John. So when you marry that together, uh, I think that that's step one. By year two, which is next year, it's going to present a really hard problem because they're going to have a lot of these super seniors to to replace next year. Uh, they're going to go portal shopping again in the offseason, and they're going to get three or four guys, I know. So you're going to hope that you've already got the infrastructure, though, now with what Rick Pitino expects. You're not going to have that long uh, you know, time of, of making sure everybody kind of gets it, and the freshmen and stuff are now sophomores and things like that. So... I think by year two, you're going to have higher expectations. Now, St. John's, like your, your expectations are already low. So higher expectations is, is all right, let's get to the tournament and maybe win a game in the tournament. 
like for you guys, that's blasphemy, right? Like you guys are like sweet 16, elite eight, you know, that that's, that's the bar for St. John's. Like you got to crawl, crawl before you walk. And like, uh, I think that with Rick, he has proven, he has the track record that he has done it everywhere else that he can get to the second weekend. And so I think that eventually that's hopefully the goal where you got sustained winning year after year after year, which has not been here for 23 freaking years. And that's really depressing, but hopefully Rick Patino is the man that changes that. Yeah. And I think, you know, I do think this year is, is, you know, what do you, I mean, what's the bus though, right? You can say it's torn to your bus, but like, what are you gonna do? Fire Rick Patino? You're right. <laughs> right. No, there, is, there is no bus, right. But I think it'll be a disappointment if we don't make the NCAA tournament this year. I think the, you know, I think the talent level is there for the tournament. We've already seen it. We're already seeing it in the efficiency metrics. They're all sort of lining up now. And we're kind of past that point where the preseason projections were factored in. So, you know, their, their metrics are profiling like a tournament team. And now it's just a matter of getting out there and winning the game. So I think, you know, before the season, I might've been a little more wishy-washy on that, but I think at this point uh, they have to make the tournament, especially, you know, looking at these next two games, which, you know, were two games, um, you know, that, that I think are both winnable. This one, you know, on Saturday is going to be a lot tougher, but I think without Hopkins, obviously uh, Wednesday's matchup with Providence lost a little bit of its luster. Um, but, you know, I, I think they got to make the tournament this year and, and that'll be enough for me. I don't, you know, if they make the second weekend this year, I think that's, that's gravy. Um, but, you know, Rick, interesting note. I mean, Rick, the first year at every high major he's been at has missed the tournament. And yes, Kentucky, they were under sanctions, but they weren't going to make the tournament anyway. Uh, but of course, those were all different eras. They were not the portal era, not the NIL era. Um, you know, we've seen lesser coaches than Rick Pitino. Very, very, very good coaches like TJ Altzelberger and, um, oh my God, the guy at K-State. I'm drawing a fucking blank. Jerome Tang. Yeah, yep. Jerome Tang. Turn programs around in one year and get to the tournament. And so, you know, if they can do it, there's no reason Rick can do it and i've said it many times that you know in this era you're never more than a coach away so you know this year it's, it's definitely the expectation at this point and i think you know moving forward he, he should be a tournament team every year of his tenure here i would like to see at least two uh if not three second weekends and you know anything other than that i think is anything beyond that is you know is build a statue time yeah exactly <laughs> put a statue out there next to lab chick in, in between the buildings i mean this is kind of the I mean like the, your next stretch of four games so like this Villanova game and like these are the games that like you frankly kind of need to get especially I mean on the road would be super great for building a tournament resume as you just think about it because like all right you don't want to depend and we talked about this on our last pod just from from our standpoint of like you don't want to depend on beating Connecticut and Marquette like that's just like you don't want to depend on that to get your wins right now on the road at Villanova is a Q1 win like you get that there that's a big win like you have Providence who's close to it like it'll probably be a q2 but like it's still a strong win if you're able to beat creighton who like is kind of reeling but like is still metrically on paper good and hopefully we'll figure it out like these are the ones that you got to like get under your belt because when you go face marquette and you face connecticut you just can't count on that w so as you think about like being a tournament team i look at st john's and i'm like i i, I honestly don't think you were that front that much further behind us in terms of like i mean let's say talent Overall, like I think you're, it's a very talented team. We just have early, like we have better wins, frankly. Like that's just right. what it is. Like you, you have Utah and Utah. Basically, that's like <laughs> that's basically like the the win that's going to carry your tournament resume. So like this is the chance where you start putting those things on the resume, like taking us and beating Providence, who is going to fall out of the top twenty five. But whatever. For sure, uh, you're 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 spot on there. And then on top of that too, it's like. It, 
historically, Sage Odds has not had things break their way. And, you know, you guys have seen it. Justin Moore has come back out, you know, multiple times or whatever against Sage Odds uh, from, you know, as divine intervention heals some injury for against Sage Johns. <laughs> but, you know, in this case, Justin Moore might miss this game. You know, you got to take advantage of that. Bryce Hopkins is missing Providence. You got to take advantage of that. That's also at home. St. John's has not had things break their way. It's time to win these games. It's time to, you know, dance on their graves a little bit of their misfortune. You know, everybody else has done it to us for a long time. You know, it's time to, it's time to give it back. And, but you're right. Getting a Q1 road win. This is a win that's going to carry the rest of the year. Should they be able to get it? And, uh, you know, you've already got two big East wins. And if you go three and one, and I think the other thing is that this is such a huge game because everybody's going to be watching it, but it's a game that's going to put you on the national map. You know, I think people are going to start talking about you as, you know, Rick Pitino's squad is now three and one. They got the road win against Villanova three and one in the big East. I think it's going to do a lot for, uh, you know, the, the public perception of St. John's kind of coming back into the national spotlight as well. And I also think, um, Oh, as far as things breaking, sorry, I lost my train of thought for a second. As far as things breaking for us, you know, it's not just, you know, opponent injuries. It's also, you know, us. We've been, you know, relatively healthy. We're getting R.J. Luis back now at the right time. Uh, we avoided a major disaster with Chris Ledlam, just a very minor minor ankle sprain and, you know, still played pretty, played pretty well uh, as at 70% the other night versus Butler. So, um, you know, I think it's breaking right for us in, in multiple ways. And, and you know, it's, it's on the guys to go out there and, and convert that good luck and execute on it. Awesome. So we're coming up on an hour. What uh, what is your one statement that you can say, like, okay, if so and so does this, or if we execute this, then we should win this game. Um, I think obviously for for me, it's it's controlling Soriano's rebounding and and your offensive rebounding in general, and not forgetting how to execute an offense on the other end. Um, easier said than done, obviously, but what are your keys that you're looking for? Maybe like an X factor player or performance that, um, that might sneak up like, okay, if Dingle, obviously, like, you know, something crazy, like if this person hits 10 threes, like, I don't want that. I want something more, a little bit, uh, realistic of, okay, as long as we do X, Y, and Z, like we're good on Saturday. Uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with one. I, I think blocks will be a big one. Um, we've got a few, you know, athletic guys who can get blocks other than uh, Joel Soriano. Um, you know, Zuby can get one. He's getting one a game in limited minutes. Um, Luis can get them. Taylor can get them. Um, and I know, you know, looking at the metrics, you guys seem, seem to get blocked a lot. At least that's what Ken Palm is telling me. <laughs> yes. so, you know, if we can get those blocks at the rim without, without getting in foul trouble. I think that, uh, you know, that'll bode well for us. I think the other key is, you know, finding a way to, you know, we talked about it at line, finding a way to guard the bigs on the perimeter with Burton and, and Dixon. Um, and I'm, you know, I, I think I'm, I'm a little less worried about that. I do think, I do think Rick will, will scheme something. I trust Rick to scheme something, but uh, you know, personnel matters as well. So it, it's going to be tough. And uh, you know, I think that's where the game will be ultimately won and lost. I started by talking about the St. John's defense being the biggest question for me in this game. Uh, I'll end it with the statement of St. John's pressure defense on Mark Armstrong or whoever is going to be on your on the ball. Uh, They've proven to start figuring out how to really play what the type of defense that Rick Pitino wants. 
I know that Mark Armstrong has been kind of a lightning rod for Villanova fans in regards to how he is played or not reached his potential so far. But just in general, I know Justin Moore also was the guy who was mainly on the ball. So your point guard situation is a little up in the air. If St. John's defense can impose its will and force you guys not to get comfortable in your offense, I think that's going to be huge as well. The other thing is, you know, St. John scores almost 80 points per game. You guys give up, I believe it's uh, only 60 I don't know, 69 points. Yeah, it's, I think it's 69 points to opponents. So, you know, if St. John's can kind of get into that 75-point range or at least start playing offense in a tempo that's going to trend that way, I think you're going to see, uh, you know, it, the game kind of shift in St. John's's favor. But the, this game is all about how St. John's is going to come out defending Villanova. Looking at Ken Palm's game prep here, and I click off the team stats for conference only. So maybe a little bit better, more recent – more recent performance bias, obviously a small sample size. But to speak to what you guys are saying, St. John's has been the number one efficient offense in the conference since conference, you know, just conference games only. Villanova's been the number one efficient defense in conference games only. So that's going to be a clash, right? But on the other side of the ball, Villanova's offense has been the third most efficient offense in the conference. St. John's defense has been the seventh most. So if St. John's defense steps up, Villanova's offense is a little bit less efficient. That's that's going to turn the tide of the game, given that the other side of the ball, it's such a clash of, of style. Um, I think a lot of it's going to be on the, uh, you know, on the free throw line. Um, you know, I, I see, uh, I see Looper in here. Uh, he said, St. John's need to score 75 plus and make, fr and make free throws to win. I, you know, I, I'll go the other side. If, if Villanova can get to the line, Villanova's proven that they can shoot the shit out of the out of their free throws. Um, so, you know, 80-plus percent, that's going to be a huge factor in the game, and Frank's going to be threatening threatening officials from the upper deck of the, uh, of the arena. Um, but, <clears throat> but I think that's going to be – I think the free throw disparity – and the free throw percentage is going to be is going to be huge in in this one. Both teams are deep, which is not something that we typically say when when we're talking about Villanova. But but the Villanova St. John's both teams are deep, so I, I think it's going to come down to that. Obviously, if someone goes bananas, it's going to be you know it's that'll that'll play a huge factor in the game. But if if both teams kind of play as they have been playing, I think you're going to see a little bit of a tempo war, and then it's going to be a matter of okay when coming down the stretch. Does Soriano or Dixon make the bigger plays coming down the uh, coming down the stretch, and that could be scoring, or that could be rebounding, free throws, whatever it may look like. Well, yeah. I think if we take anything away from this pod and what you guys have been saying, it's that Jordan Dingle is going to break out with thirty-five points, and he's the <laughs> one that's going to be making all the big plays. So uh, we're going to tweet that. Yeah, there you go. And I think you know, just to hit on what you said, Chris, you know, putting on this conference only filter here on the on the game preview. You know the worst rate, the worst rated aspect of St. John's defense is free throw attempts per field goal attempt. It's been a problem for us uh, in out of conference. It's been a problem for us uh, in conference as well, uh, defending without fouling. So you know we take a lot of risks on defense, uh, and so that could be you know definitely could be problematic for us. But I will say I'm not gonna. I'm not going to complain about the officials. I promise you, if we get the better of it, I believe, that, I believe don't make year, promises you can't keep. <laughs> I believe it this year. I believe it this year that, you know, we are a team that can't 
defend without fouling. Um, and, you know, I'm going to be, you know, when in Rome, when in Rome, I'm in the country club, uh, the country club area. I'll sit on my hands, be nice and quiet, <laughs> have some wine and cheese up in my seat, up in the upper deck. You Don't know, forget your vest. Open. Yeah, I'll put my sweater vest on. You won't even, want- you're going to be so mad when you go to the – knowing you, Frank, you're going to be so mad because – so Villanova, you enter on the second floor. Okay. And you need a ticket to get down to the first floor. So you're not even going to be able to get down there. And you're going to be like, fuck these fucking people. <laughs> <laughs> that is classic upper white crust mainline nonsense. <laughs> I got I got one last one for you guys. In the good seats. I got, I got one last one for you guys, a little trivia. I'm curious if you guys would know this. All right, a little, a little Villanova trivia. Do you guys know when the first time St. John's and Villanova played, and can you guess how many points Villanova scored in that game? Oh, geez. I don't think I'm going to be able to get um, this. Can I, can I ask before or after 1950? Way before. Yeah, so this was probably in like the first NCAA tournament. I'm guessing. <laughs> um, I mean, you're you're probably talking like Al Severance era, but if we're talking about way before. That even might be like before the tournament happened. So I'm gonna go ahead and say like 1925. So like we had a basketball team, it just wasn't a tur- like the tournament didn't happen. And I'm gonna go ahead and guess. I mean, I don't know old old timey basketball. Old timey basketball, like there's they might. <laughs> Not have scored more than like seventeen points. No, but they also I, may have scored two hundred. So I'm going to go yeah. ahead and say a hundred to like a hundred and five. <laughs> I'm going to go complete opposite end of the spectrum. I will say um, that it was like a twenty-two to seventeen. Uh, warmer to seventeen final. I'm you are you are much yeah. warmer. We'll call much it like warmer. we'll call it. Um, a hundred years of Villanova basketball was twenty uh twenty nineteen or twenty twenty twenty. Um let's call it let's call it nineteen twenty and the final score was somewhere in the teens. Right. I'm gonna guess that we played a game that was like an intramural game years before that. I don't know, I'll call it like I don't know, call it nineteen oh nine or something like that. And and given that Trevor just guessed something that was crazy, I'm going to say that the final score was like, I don't know, maybe we scored like nine points. And maybe you up. guys scored 38. I looked it up. <laughs> <laughs> I looked it up. As soon as he said 1909, I was like, oh, he's looking at it. <laughs> Yeah, December 20th, 1909, a final score of 38 to 9. St. John's got the win, but well, yeah, when I saw that, I was like, that was a barn I, burner. Oh, I remember that game. <laughs> yeah. You guys know it's 38 to 9? I'll yeah. jump in the East River. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Almost, almost as ancient history. I tweeted it earlier today. The last time St. John's won at the Finn, 30 years ago, almost to the week. It'll be 30, 29 years and 51 weeks on Saturday since the last time St. John's won in the pavilion in all its various. To be fair, you did beat us at home in 2018. We just just didn't have the fin open yet. So it was at Wells Fargo. I remember. And we've, we've, we were three, we're three and six at Wells Fargo in the last 30 years. We are 0 and 13 at, uh, at the (laughs) fin. You don't get the opportunity this time. You might not be there much longer because I think you're going to be at the Wells Fargo center 
going forward after this year. Is my I would guess. think so. That's why I felt like I had to pull the trigger on, on getting a ticket to this yeah. game. Well, fun good fact, the Big East is- tournament, the Big East tournament uh, game where you guys came back from uh, 17 down uh, two years ago is still to this day the worst loss I have ever experienced as a St. John's fan. The refs were great that game. And I don't think <laughs> you don't know what happened to me that game. Oh, my God. You don't know what happened to me in that game. I was literally on a cruise watching on a laptop. Uh, I was watching on, the on bed, a laptop, too. On shoddy Wi-Fi, and I almost jumped off the entire boat. I swear <laughs> to God. That's where I met Frank. I met Frank yeah. at halftime of that yeah. game, and yeah. I fucked you guys so bad. <laughs> the, story, the story of how and why Chris and I met is actually hilarious because I would always – rant and rave about how bad Villanova's refs were and Chris would always get into it with me from the full 40 account and finally he's just like well you know let's meet in real life I was like all right but like we've let's done fight in real life rave at each other but sure yeah. <laughs> and so we met in let's, let's uh, fight at the Madison Square Garden concourse what the news for you is at the pavilion we were 0-1 against teams named St. J this year so <laughs> so that's so between Ooh, that and getting that, nothing kind there, yeah. yeah. Between that and getting J same. in the oh, maybe it's just the letter J. You have the J right issues. You have the St. J issues. Letter J, bad for Villanova. And we can't shoot jumpers, so there you go. Lost the Jerome Tang. You know, uh, there's, <laughs> there's something. Wow, something's going on here. <laughs> Somebody called the Philadelphia Inquirer. We got a story. We got to figure it out. All right, I. I Unless you guys have anything else, I'm. I had one thing. I'm gonna do my job, and home field's gonna like it. <laughs> we have this Nova Insider plug, but like St. John's fans, go on home field. Go to homefield.com. Use promo code Nova Insider. Are you helping our pod? Of course you are. But you're also getting 15% off all the St. John's gear. So it's not just us. It doesn't stop at Villanova products. It goes to everything. In fairness, we don't get any extra money because you bought it using that code. No, it just makes us look better. It just looks better. <laughs> In fact, we yeah, it's 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 the codes for everybody. The codes for all. That's right. Nova Insider, fifteen percent off your first purchase. Yeah, and if you don't have any, and if you already made a purchase, just create your email account. Duh. Um, I don't think right. you're gonna like that, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever. We <laughs> still get eighty-five percent of the revenue that we're gonna get. So whatever. It's eighty-five percent more than they were gonna get. Um, uh, okay I I, I think that's it guys look I've had a great time having you guys on Um, I'm looking forward to the matchup I guess I guess are you guys predicting a St. John's W here yes I I think so I I think we squeak out a you know a tough one I I think probably like 68 71 or something along those lines oh so you think that we you we win the pace game and you win the game I think so. And my, my analog for this is, is the North Texas game. Obviously, you guys are much better offensively than North Texas, but your defenses are pretty comfortable, and they play at one of the slowest paces in the country, uh, even slower than you guys. And we gridded out that win, and we weren't nearly in our uh, in, in as good form as we are in now. So, you know, I, I think we have a similar game, maybe a little more high scoring. Uh, that was like a 58-56 game or something. So a little more high scoring than that, but I think a similar, uh, a similar, a similar pace and tempo, and, and we gridded out. Yeah, I'm thinking something 75 to 70 with St. John's gets it. Uh, St. John's has momentum right now, and uh, that defense has 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 shown me a lot. And uh, it's time to prove it. It's time to prove yourself. Trying to get that road signature win, and uh, I think St. John's sweeps it out by a little bit. Trevor Willie, uh, give me the Tyler Burton slash Mark Armstrong game. 
Um, I, uh, I'm comfortable with saying, uh, 68, 60 Nova. I retired from the prediction game. So <laughs> I'm going to go counterculture. I think villain is going to lose this game. Um, I think, I think you guys will win the pace battle. Um, but I don't think that we'll be able to keep the I, I like. I think you guys will be in the seventies. I don't think we'll be in the seventies. Um, we we haven't been shooting well. I, I don't think this is the game we're going to get out of our funk. Um, and so I think I think you guys will. And I, I not jokingly, I think Dingle. I think there's going to be a storyline about Dingle being close to home and whatever, and and or back in the friendly confines. Of, and I think he's going to go off for like 18, 19, 20 points. It's not going to be like insane. But it's going to be a, a high-scoring output, and I think it's, I think it's going to be a difference. I, I really I'm, do. I mean, is there is there any kind of like confidence within the fan base based on the last game? I mean, you guys basically survived the last one, and it was it was ugly. Like, it, it's kind of hard to be super confident heading into this game. No, I'm actually confident about Villanova's prognosis for the season, but but in this one, there's a little bit of rust down the stretch there, um, and I just I think, think that. I just think we're just getting back into our rhythm because we played so li- we've played so few games in the last month. So we look good against Creighton and DePaul. Um, look, we won a game that before you guys jumped on. We were talking about how versus Xavier, we won a game that that we've been losing under Neptune, and so that's you know we'll we'll take the we kind of took the positive angle on it and say hey gritty gritty is good like whatever find a way to win games. So, so I, I'm not too worried coming off of last game as much as I am kind of like I just think that we're probably due for a loss right now. Um, and I, th- I think you guys are kind of on your – I think you guys are on a little bit of a heater right now. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. Like, one, we have – I think it's going to be like, what, five games in a, basically a month period, maybe six. And then, Chris, to your point, I don't – I know we've been playing better without Justin, but it does feel like – it just it might happen that game where it's just like all right this would have been a good Justin game even as just like another defender um, taking away uh, whether it's I mean he got cooked by Dingle but someone else like at any point he didn't play Dingle did he in the historical not that game but yeah. in historical yeah is is the feeling on your end that Moore misses this game probably yeah right uh, yeah. now yeah right now yeah I agree with that yeah. okay. He wasn't wearing a brace on on Wednesday. He was also uh, yesterday, pain, so it was hard to tell. But yeah. um, but he hasn't been medically cleared, let alone participated yet, right? Right. He's he's played limited in practice. Limited practice. Yeah. Oh, he has been okay. Nothing uh, one, official, obviously. Play close to the vest. One thing I want to uh, just I friend of uh, St. John's uh, Andre Corbello had an interesting stat line today. I want you, so I'm going to give you the, what I want you to guess what it took. So he had, he had a triple double, 13, 11, and 10. I would like you to guess how many turnovers he had and then how many shots he took and how many he made. Oh, okay. I'm going to say, I'm going to say eight turnovers and I'm going to say, wait, how many points did he have? 13. 13. So I'm going to say he was like four, four, 15, something like that. 
my first thought was you were trying to trick us and that the triple double was with the turnovers. I thought so too. <laughs> I thought it was going that way. So, uh, but if it's a traditional triple double, I will say seven turnovers and he, and he scored 13 points. It took him five for 16 from the floor. All right. So he only had four turnovers. So he actually kind of controlled the ball pretty well. Um, he went five for 21. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that is wild. You know, I, Green light. I, I, I'll always have a special place. In for Bello because he is needed, one of a kind. We needed the fucking levity last year. And, and he provided <laughs> so, uh, it's, you know what? It's really funny. You actually bring up Andre Curbelo. <laughs> Because today, St. John's sent out a, hey, come to the St. John's Xavier game watch party to the alumni. And for some reason, used a picture of Andre Curbelo shooting a floater against Syracuse from yes, uh, last year's uh, Empire Classic. So that's an interesting choice. <laughs> Things that only happen at St. John's. <laughs> no, that would also happen at Georgetown. That would also happen at Georgetown. Yeah, true. Another school that hasn't cared about basketball in a long time. Still doesn't. Who's, who's Georgetown's Andre Curbelo? Curbello. Primo Spears. Yeah, Primo Spears is probably the closest. The personality doesn't line up. But yeah. Did Primo Spears sneak into a press conference and then hide in the rafters and <laughs> eat popcorn and a million other things we can talk about? I mean, nobody no, the point. Every other, crazy player, every other crazy player is looking up at Andre Curbello. Nobody else yeah. is on that level. Seems a Kinjo also probably yeah. be a good call for him. Awesome. All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, um, thank you. Had a blast with you guys. And I think we're doing a we'll we'll do a yeah, we'll do the flip. Look forward to having yeah. you on uh, on Eye of the Storm. Yep. Awesome. Sure. For sure. Thanks, fellas. Appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Thanks so. Right. so with that, we'll we'll just wrap up here. We'll be back. We're still hammering out the day for next week's podcast. Um, but but following that, we're going to try and get on a Monday night at 9 schedule. Um, we're working around the national championship game for football. I don't know why we're running from the grind. We should yeah. just go right up against it. Us and, yeah, it, it's you, me, Trevor. And Michigan. Then, uh, and Michigan, Washington. Harbaugh, Connor Stallions, uh, Kelsey. Michael Clark, Penix. <laughs> yeah. Um, but – but yeah, so we're figuring out next week. But then following that, I think we're pretty much on a Monday schedule from here on out. Um, but we'll 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 keep you posted. Uh, that's that's all we got for you guys today. Thanks everybody for listening, and as always, let's go Nova. <laughs> <laughs>